May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Neuroscience is the study of the human brain. And neuroscientists believe that consciousness, the who and what we are, is the result of chemical reactions and electronic impulses within our brain. Mm -hmm. Yet they are completely at a loss as to how the brain creates consciousness. They they simply can't explain it. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the brain does not create consciousness. And there's a big rift in the neuroscience community over that. The seven chakras swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head for thousands of years this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple what are the functions of these energy centers and could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose welcome to my seven chakras and now your host Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My Seven Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience deep states of bliss. In today's episode, I hope to explore some mystical and amazing topics, including what happens to a person after death, why some people are able to communicate with the departed, are there parallel dimensions, the role of the pineal gland and the solar plexus, and do we, or do we already have a soul phone yet to communicate with the departed? So a lot of exciting topics, topics that I'm personally interested in, but I'm sure that you will really enjoy too. 
You're absolutely going to love this episode. So if you like the work that we do, uh, especially this episode, then make sure that you hit the subscribe button on your phone, on your iPhone, or hit the follow button on some other device uh, so that we can help more people come across this particular episode and the message that we are hoping to spread. Right? So subscribe, follow, and make sure you write us an iTunes review if you end up enjoying this episode, which I'm sure you will. With that being said, let us bring on our special guest for today, Mark Antony. Mark Antony, the psychic explorer, aka the psychic lawyer, is the author of the Afterlife Frequency, Never Letting Go, and Evidence of Eternity. He's an Oxford-educated attorney, world-renowned psychic, nationally recognized legal analyst, headline speaker at the international conferences and universities, and favorite guest on TV and radio show. He co-hosts the Psychic and the Doc on Transformation Network and is a regular columnist for the best holistic life magazine. So, Mark, welcome to our show. Thank you, AJ. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. It's an honor for me to have you on our show as well. I can't wait to dig deep into some other topics and themes that I'm hoping to explore and that you talk about on the regular. But before that, if you can tell me and our audience where were you born and brought up and what was your childhood like? Because I think that plays a key role in what you do these days, right? Yeah, it does. Both of my parents had psychic and mediumistic abilities, and it runs for generations on both sides of my family. My father was an, a U.S. Navy SEAL, and then after he got out of the Navy, he went into aerospace and became a NASA engineer. And so he was all about science. And the fact that nothing's impossible. If you put enough research, enough funding, and enough focus on any issue, he believed, you know, there is an answer. My mother's family came over to the U.S. from Italy in the early part of the 20th century. And she was a medium as well as her maternal grandmother. But in the Italian side of the family, these abilities were embraced and looked at as a gift from God. Whereas in my dad's family, they were very uh, waspy, Pennsylvanian Baptists. And even though my dad, his sister, his mother, and his maternal grandmother were all mediums, they had to keep it quiet because, you know, they were in a small town in Pennsylvania. So when I was about three and a half years old, I started talking to my invisible friends. Mm -hmm. The thing is, AJ, that's not an unusual for a toddler to do, mm -hmm. is to have invisible friends. But when mommy and daddy can see who I'm talking to, then that was a whole different dimension. And I'll never forget my mom going, oh, he's got it. And my dad saying, oh, he's got it. You know, because my, my father was afraid that it can be very, very difficult for a, um, a child who's a medium, uh, especially if you start telling people outside of the family that, oh, you know, I see dead people. And uh, my father certainly wanted to protect me about that. And the thing is, the reason he was so protective of me, and I didn't know this until later in life, I remember when I was five years old and I was about to start first grade, and he said, Mark, do not talk about this to anyone except your mother and I. Do not talk about this at school because people who see things other people don't get taken away. Now, AJ, that was pretty scary for a little boy to hear. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered as I got older is that his sister Marjorie, very gifted psychic medium, and 
she also had a gift of premonitions, foretelling future events. Unfortunately for her, she was married to a religious zealot, and he did not look at her abilities as something positive. So one day, he was a machinist, and he was getting ready to go to work at this steel plant in Pennsylvania, and she threw a fit. She says, you're not going to work. I got this terrible feeling. I feel it in my stomach. And I mean, she was just going on and on. She was feeling it in her solar plexus, okay? Because I know the, the show is the seven chakras, So, and I know that mm-hmm. we're going to talk about chakras. He said, fine, I'll stay home. Well, that day, a crane was lifting thousands of pounds of steel beams, and the cable snapped, and it crushed the machine shop that he worked in and killed everybody in it. And it reasons to assume that he would have been one of the people killed. One would think he'd be somewhat gracious, happy. Instead, AJ, he had her committed to a mental institution, found a psychiatrist to give her a diagnosis of schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. and they subjected Marjorie forcibly to electroshock therapy for over a period of six months. They did so much damage to her brain that she never again saw future events, never again spoke about spirits. And I remember my mother could not stand her brother-in-law. She would never allow him over our house. She wanted nothing to do with him. And this happened 20 years before I was born. So I didn't know anything Mm -hmm. about this until I became an adult. And the thing is, back in the 50s, the 60s, it was looked at psychic ability was very shunned. Mm -hmm. And so my father was terrified that I, you know, I would be ostracized for having this gift and this ability. So on the flip side of the coin, my childhood, now that I look back on it, was pretty darn cool. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, not everybody's parents see dead people or see future events. And, uh, you know, the joke I always like to make, which is true, I'd come home from school and my mother would be, I saw a spirit today. And I'm like, do we have any peanut butter and jelly? She goes, yeah, it's over there. And I'd be making myself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And she'd be telling me about the spirit and all that. And, And the thing is, you know, I started seeing when I was in school that nobody else's mom and dad seemed to be able to do this. So from that standpoint, my childhood was was unusual. But from, uh, you know, outward appearances, we were just the, you know, all-American family next door. Very, very interesting. And I love what your dad mentioned that, well, he firstly warned you and he said that those who can see what others cannot are taken away. And I'm guessing what when you said taken away, you meant by the institution, right? Not, oh, you know, oh yeah, away. yeah, yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah, yeah, that's he was afraid that something like that would happen, you know, could possibly happen to me. And, you know, but once again, my dad was a a Navy SEAL. He was very protective of us. And, you know, he wasn't one of these guys who was afraid to show emotion. Dad always hugged us. He always like he'd hug me and kiss me. And he'd always tell me that a real man is never afraid to say, I love you. And I'll never forget when my mother died, him saying to me, and a real man is never afraid to cry for somebody that you love. And so even though he was, you know, this real tough guy, he always impressed upon me that it was important to embrace, confront, and express your emotions. And that doesn't mean that, you know, you have to walk into, you know, school or work and, you know, just let it out. He was talking about, you know, you have to acknowledge what's going on in here, because, you know, that's the only way that you're going to get through a very emotionally crippling situation like the death of a loved one. And so how did you go about 
or go from becoming or being a lawyer to a psychic medium? Because I'm guessing that, you know, you were a lawyer at some point, you still practice law. And then what exactly happened? You know, what influenced you to make that change from maybe practicing law to talking about the law of attraction, <laughs> you know, talking about uh, mediumship and psychic uh, phenomena? Being a medium is in my DNA. So I came that way. Okay. I was always a medium. And actually, I was raised in the Catholic faith. But what was fascinating is my dad was a Baptist, but he had to convert to marry my mother. That's a whole story. Because you know, my grandfather was from Italy. And he's like, you know, well, my dad proposed because he had to ask for my mother's hand in marriage. He goes, so what mm -hmm. the religion are you? And he said, well, I'm Baptist. And my grandfather goes, Baptist. If you want to marry my genie, you must have become a Catholic. And my dad's like, what? You know, and he loved my mom so much that he did yeah. that. And my mom was saying that she was listening through the door and she goes, ay, ay, ay. You know, because, you know, it's, it's a complex religion. All religions complex, but, you know, there's mm -hmm. all these procedures and things like that. But the thing is, because we were mediums, uh, we'd be at the dinner table talking. Sure, we talk about Jesus in the same breath as we talk about Buddha or Krishna or Gandhi. I mean, we just had a very open interfaith approach to things. Mm -hmm. you know, but my parents, you know, they wanted me to go to, to Catholic school because they felt it was a better education. And they wanted me to have a moral foundation and religious background without being hellfire and brimstone. You know, my mom and dad were never, never of that mindset. Mm -hmm. And so as I was getting older, I really wanted to go into the clergy, which is not unusual. You know, mediums tend to be drawn to the spiritual. And when I started looking into it, AJ, all I saw were rules, regulations, rules, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. And to me, it was too restricting. And so then I end up in the legal profession, which all, all about is, rules. Yeah, yeah, all about rules. It's like <laughs> I jumped out of the frying pan and right into the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I enjoyed the practice of law because I like public speaking. I like the research. I liked helping people. I liked trying cases. And so there was a lot of things about that that I liked. But I think that this was all part of a plan that's bigger than me because mm -hmm. it gave me a skill set and a credibility because, you know, as an attorney, you help people, yeah. even though, you know, attorneys are by many people don't like them. Why is that? It's because when you go to an attorney, it's usually because things in your life aren't great. You know, you've been arrested, you're getting sued, you have a contract dispute, you got some problem going on, and that's what we're there for. And so people tend to look at attorneys in that way. But we have to have evidence to substantiate our case. Mm -hmm. And as a medium, I help people by connecting, facilitating communication between them and their loved ones in spirit, but also... I'm an evidential medium, which means I have to produce pieces of evidence, verifiable facts transmitted to me from the spirit that I convey to my client that they can you know, validate and confirm to guarantee the authenticity of the contact. So that is the background of that. And if you want to know how I became a full-time medium, that's a whole nother story in itself, if, if you want me to tell that one. 
<laughs> we will definitely go into that. By the way, Action Tribe, people who are watching this right now, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook or maybe you're in our Facebook group, make sure that you share this stream, share this post right now, because in doing so, you will allow more people who probably were looking for this kind of information. They will stumble upon this interview. And I'm really enjoying where we're going with this interview. And by the way, there's a comment box. So make sure you add your comments, your thoughts, observations, or maybe questions because we want this to be as interactive as possible. Now, Mark, firstly, thanks a lot for sharing that story. And you sort of, I guess, alluded to the fact, just like Steve Jobs, he said something along the lines of, you can't, you know, you can only make the sense of things looking back and you can't join the dots looking forward. And yeah. whether it is, you know, some job, some experience, it all makes sense because you have those transferable skills, like in your case, using evidence in your mediumship practice. But the question that I have for you is, uh, when you were four years old, you had your you had a near-death experience, right? Yes. So talk to us a bit about that and uh, what exactly happened and how did it influence your life going forward? Well, the thing is, I don't really wanna get into the details of that because okay. that's one of a very important story in my new book, The Afterlife Frequency. But uh, so at age three and a half, I start seeing spirits and at age four, I go into cardiopulmonary failure. The thing is, AJ, I shouldn't even be here. Mm -hmm. And here's why. When I was born, I was what's known as a blue baby. I wasn't breathing. Mm -hmm. And they delivered me, and I wasn't breathing. And the doctor said to my mother, we think we lost him. And she said, you work on him. You work on you know." And so they, they were smacking me on the fanny and putting their fingers in my mouth and all that. Um, you know, And all of a sudden, I start coughing. And, mm -hmm. and they got me breathing. Then at three and a half, I start seeing spirits. At four and a half, I got very, very ill and suffered from what's known as septicemia, which is a, a really bad blood infection at a very high fever. And it threw me into cardiopulmonary failure. And I had a near-death experience, which I go into great detail about in the book because it's, you know, think of our life is is like a puzzle and each mm -hmm. event is a piece in that puzzle well yep. that was an extremely important piece which impacts me to this day and then when i was five i almost drowned and i was going under my brother my big brother jumped in and pulled me out you know yeah. so by the time i was five and there's like two other incidents where I had real serious medical complications. By the time I was five, I essentially died five times and came back. So, you know, a lot of times we all go through days where we start feeling down and depressed and all that. And, you know, that happens to everybody. And when it happens to me, I stop and I think, you know, I should just be happy I'm here. And, yeah. and the thing about a near-death experience is it gives you a whole different perspective on life. And that, you know, I call the dimension that we're in the material world. And mm -hmm. that's where we're living now. But there is a dimension beyond this, a higher vibrational frequency, which mm -hmm. is why the title of my new book is The Afterlife Frequency. And it also causes you to lose the fear of death. Mm -hmm. It shows us that we're all interconnected. You know, we're not black, white, brown, this, that. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all energetically linked and interconnected. There's also a sense that death is only a doorway that we go in, have to go through to a higher level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that this temporary material world existence 
is actually a gift. And one of the other side effects, if you will, of a near-death experience, an NDE, is belief in reincarnation. I mean, mm -hmm. I have believed in reincarnation since I can, can remember, and that is very typical of NDEers. What's yeah. also fascinating is both mom and dad had near-death experiences. My dad had two of them before I was born. And then when I was a teenager, my mother died during surgery and they, they were able to resuscitate her on that. I remember the surgeon coming out to us and he said, we think she's going to die. And dad, the Navy SEAL, stood up, went right up to the surgeon, looked him in the eye and said, if she dies, you die. Well, they brought her back. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's really powerful. The power of uh, conviction and uh, setting the intention, right? I remember I also had an NDE, not quite in the sense that some people describe it, where you see right light at the end of the tunnel. But I did have a very close to death experience where I was uh, on my motorbike. And this was uh, when I was in uh, undergrad. This was more than 10 years back, maybe 12 years back. And uh, that was the only day you know, where I did not wear a helmet because usually I would wear a helmet, but because it was in the same sort of neighborhood, I was going to my college, I did not wear a helmet. And at the intersection where I was, you know, driving my motorbike, there was a van that came from the side and collided uh, with me. And next thing I know, I don't remember much, but I do remember, you know, like just floating in the sky, you know, in the air. And it has an effect of elongating or expanding time right where you don't have <laughs> yeah. a sense of time and I think... <laughs> like, <"Wee." laughs> yeah i love the way you did that i knew exactly what you meant yeah and sort of things became black and white next thing i know i wake up maybe a day or two later in the hospital and i find my parents who actually are from a different city because i was studying in a different city are beside me and i did not have any major bone broken but i know right you can fall down and go and die right our skull is so so delicate in that sense, but I was, for some reason, there was something out there in the universe that decided that now was not my time. And just like you pointed out, it gave me a different perspective of yeah. what life is and the fact that I'm so grateful that I'm still alive. You know, um, I want to comment on, as a near-death experience researcher, when you yeah. said, well, it wasn't like the typical going in through the light, but see what you described, there seems to be different levels to an NDE. Now, I don't right. know if you actually flatlined, okay, right. like if your heart and lungs completely stopped, but what you're mm -hmm. describing is your consciousness, what I call the electromagnetic soul. We can we can um, get into that uh, next. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, separated from your body, and mm. that is a near-death experience. It's just that okay. you were like in the first stages of it, and you came back before you get got to the next stage. And in the afterlife frequency, I, what I do is I want to bring spirit communication out of the Victorian era. Also, why this book is different is because spiritual phenomenon, there's contact through a medium. There is a direct visitation where a spirit will come to you and maybe it's in the dream state or maybe you see out of the corner of your eye or you feel somebody's presence around. Then there's the near-death experience where you will encounter loved ones. Then there's also what's known as a shared death experience, and we can talk about that. And then there's deathbed visions where somebody's dying and people around them notice that the person is interacting with spirits of deceased loved ones. Well, traditionally, AJ, those have been treated like a salad bar. Okay, they're all very different, but they're mm -hmm. not. 
And there's a commonality between all of them that has to do with energy and frequency alignment, energy transfer and frequency alignment. And so that's what I'm doing in the afterlife frequency is showing how all of these are interconnected. So I've been researching for this book for years. Certainly, I've been compiling the stories and uh, from readings and from other experiences that I've had to illustrate the scientific concepts that I'm introducing, you know, because mm-hmm. I want it to be interesting. You know, nobody wants to read a dry textbook. And that's, you know, that's the spoiler yeah. alert. Don't expect a dry textbook. All right. Because if I can't feel it, why would my reader want to feel it? So mm-hmm. neuroscience is the study of the human brain. And neuroscientists believe that consciousness, the who and what we are, is the result of chemical reactions and electronic impulses within our brain. Mm -hmm. Yet they are completely at a loss as to how the brain creates consciousness. They they simply can't explain it. Why? Mm -hmm. Because the brain does not create consciousness. And there's a big rift in the neuroscience community over that. You know, because they don't want to believe that there's something spiritual beyond this. Although in the past 50 years, many are reversing their opinions, particularly now that quantum physicists are on board saying that eternal life uh, does not violate the laws of physics. Then we know from faith and pretty much all the religions, whether it's Hinduism, Buddhism, Christianity, Islam, Zoroastrianism, Native Americanism, spiritualism, Taoism, Shintoism, all believe that the soul, the spirit, the who and what we are, which in matters of science and psychology is called consciousness, the spirit soul pre-exists the body, comes into the body, moves on after the body dies. We know that the brain has an electrical field, a quantum electrical field. We know that on the subatomic level, you go to molecules, atoms, protons, electrons, neutrons, and then the smallest component is a quantum, ergo quantum physics, which is electromagnetic energy. So everything at its most basic level is a particle of electromagnetic energy. And that is why I developed the term the electromagnetic soul, because it combines faith and science to describe what we really are, which is a soul, pure consciousness, that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And so by understanding the EMS, the electromagnetic soul, that's the building block to understand spirit communication in all of its various forms, whether it's a near-death experience, shared death experience, deathbed vision, contact through a medium or direct contact or out-of-body experience. And so once we start understanding the EMS, then everything else begins to fall into place. And I'm very humbled and, and honored because members of the scientific community are have already adopted my term. They're already using the EMS, the electromagnetic soul, because based on the studies in consciousness, this coincides with the last 50 years of scientific research into what are we exactly? Are we this body or are we pure energy, which never dies? May is Mental Health Awareness Month and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online and you'll be matched with a therapist. 
And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Mm-hmm. And you also, in talking about the, the same thing, you write uh, about spirit intervention. You say that it's part of the ripple effect of karma. Sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's more direct, but spirits can influence the chain of events that we call synchronicity to yes. intervene in our lives, to guide and help us. And sometimes they are persistent and will get their message through one way or the other. So what do you mean by this? <laughs> and maybe if you can give us an example. Yeah. Okay. I've kind of, you know, I have so many examples of this, but let me give uh, two of them and two recent ones. So I was doing a reading because I like to give the book is filled with examples, but mm-hmm. I want to give examples that aren't in the book. So I was doing a reading for this woman and her mother spirit came forward and okay. her mother began to reference. I said, there's a young male connected to you. He's on like the child level. Could be a son, could be a nephew. He's, he's alive, but she's talking about him. She goes, well, I don't have a son, but I have a nephew, my, my sister's son. I go, there's something about his eyes, something about his eyes and his eyes hurt. And uh, she said, I'm not sure about that. And I go, now I'm hearing that little Richard song, Tutti Frutti, ah, Rudy, Tutti Frutti. And I'm hearing Tutti Frutti, ah, Rudy. And it's just running through my head. And she said, well, I know the song, but, you know, nobody in my family really is a little Richard fan. So that makes absolutely no sense to me. So I always tell people when something comes through, see, mm-hmm. everybody expects mediumship to be texting and instant messaging, you know, mm-hmm. that we immediately understand it. Okay, that's what it is. It doesn't work that way. In many instances, it does, but not always. So I always tell people, if it doesn't make sense right away, don't worry about it. Just jot it down. Let's move on to the next segment. So AJ, about a month later, I get an email from this woman. And she said, I called my sister and I said, you know, mom's spirit said something about your son's eyesight. And she said, you know, he's been complaining recently of headaches and that things are blurry. So she said, so I decided to go with my sister and we took the little boy to the eye doctor. And as soon as we walked into the eye doctor's office on the radio, it starts playing Tutti Frutti Ah Rudy by Little Richard. 
And she said, oh my God. She goes, what are the chances? And AJ, you said it perfectly, synchronicity. Mm -hmm. But out of all the songs that have ever been written, I just fling that one out because what her mother's spirit was doing was being very persistent. She wanted her grandson's eyes to be taken care of. Uh, the child had astigmatism, needed glasses, okay, but and it was giving him headaches and, and it was causing him problems in school. So she wanted to get them there and to validate that they had properly received and interpreted the message the second they walk into the office, mm. that song play. I mean, like, what are the odds of that happening? I think mm. we're way past a million to one. I think we're closer to a billion to one on something like that. Then I was doing a public event and this young lady and her mother stood up and it was a grandfather. The young lady was with her mother, and it was the mother's father who was communicating. So it was the her daughter's grandfather. And all of a sudden, it just comes out of my mouth. You are not to go to the concert. Mm. And the, the, I can see the teenage girl like giving like <laughs> like this. What do you mean? And the mother said, "Well, she's supposed to go to this you know rock concert next week with her friends." Mm. And I said. This keeps getting repeated. You're not to go. And the girl, she's like all, you know, putting on the, you know, she's a teenager, you know, she wanted to go to a rock concert. I said, look, my job is to convey the message. What you do with that is up to you. Right. So the mother goes, well, she's not going. All right. <laughs> so a year later, I was doing another public event at the same venue. And when it was over, I was, you know, I was signing books. Um, at that time, it was my, my book, Evidence of Attorney. And these two women walk up to me and they said, do you remember us from last year? And they said, you told my daughter not to go to the concert. She said, my father's spirit said, told her not to go to the concert. I go, yeah, I do remember that. And the young lady said, you know, I took your advice, Mr. Anthony, and I called my friends and I told them I'm not going because the psychic told me don't go to the concert. And my friends were really freaked out about this. So when they were driving on the interstate, it was about you know an hour and a half to go to the venue where the concert was. Yeah. They were so scared that they were driving slower. Okay, they weren't going like you know 80, 90 miles an hour. They're going like 55 miles an hour. And all of a sudden they ran over something, four blowouts. All four of the tires in their car blew out. Apparently there had been a truck or something that dropped a bunch of nails or whatever on the road. I mean, mm. one blowout is one thing, but four. And she said they were stranded there on the interstate for a couple hours until, you know, the highway patrol and the tow truck could come and get them. And the uh, trooper said, thank God, you ladies, we're only going 55. If you've been going like uh, 85, 90 miles an hour, you may have flipped and died. And mm -hmm. so that's what I call spirit intervention. Her mm -hmm. grandfather's spirit came through, but there was more work just than that. He didn't just protect her. This goes into one of my theories called collective consciousness communication. Think of the other side is like when you die, your soul's a drop of water, your EMS, your electromagnetic soul plunges into the eternal sea of souls. And a group of spirits, a collective of spirits connected to that girl and her friends came through, except her grandfather happened to be the lead, you know, spokesperson for the group, said, don't go knowing she would tell her friends that it would spook them enough to drive slowly 
So it saved more than one life. Right. And I have seen this hundreds and hundreds of times, maybe even a thousand times in my work as a medium, where spirits will come through to intervene to guide someone away from a dangerous person, place, or thing. Mm -hmm. That is really inspiring. And it you know brings to mind certain experiences of my own life where I feel like I've been communicating and you know the persistent piece definitely um, makes sense. My question to you is, Mark, and I'm sure many of our listeners have this you know particular question in, on their mind, but what happens to a person after they die? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all good. Now, I always have to be very careful. And I know, AJ, that you're a very compassionate and thoughtful person. For any of the listeners that are depressed or contemplating suicide, when I explain how the other side is really wonderful and all that, I am in no way encouraging any of you to try to cut your life short. Okay. We are all, there's a day we're coming in, there's a day we're going out and what we do with the time in between. Now that's free will. And that's the gift that we're given. And I've had too many friends that were nurses and doctors who told me horror stories of people who tried suicide, but were unsuccessful mm -hmm. and instead ended up paralyzed, brain damaged, severely injured. And guess what? It didn't end their life. It continued it until the day they were supposed to go out. Now, they had a choice not to do that. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying this. And for those of you who are sad and who are depressed, there are caring people, professionals, 24-7, that are there for you. In, in Canada, there's a national suicide hotline. In the United States, there's a national suicide hotline. So I want to explain that. Now, first... Now, what happens when we die? Think of your brain like a computer hard drive. You know, this gets back to my explanation of the EMS. Mm -hmm. All right, your computer hard drive did not create Windows 10, or I understand the upcoming Windows 11, or if you're an <laughs> Apple user, or whatever Apple programs you have on there. Your computer hard drive did not create the programs on it. Similarly, our brain, our human finite brain, did not create our consciousness. It merely hosts it. Mm -hmm. So when the brain slash hard drive crashes, the programs are EMS, electromagnetic soul, is not lost. It leaves. So think of your brain and your electromagnetic soul as a drop of water. And when the body dies and the brain's part of the body, that drop of water plunges into the eternal sea of consciousness, mm -hmm. which I call the collective consciousness. And so there's a shift from the material world dimension to the higher vibration of the afterlife frequency, okay? And, and near-death experiencers, myself included, describe this as, you know, you go through this tunnel into the light, you encounter deceased loved ones. And AJ, earlier, you gave a very beautiful description of your NDE where you got the floating sensation and what's known as veridical perception. In other words, you were seeing things, mm -hmm. but you didn't get to the next phase, which is good because that next <laughs> phase often leads to the phase after that, which is where you don't come back. And that's where you end up talking to me. <laughs> okay. So, so what happens when we die is the energy from our brain, our electromagnetic soul 
leaves mm -hmm. the body and it shifts from a finite perception and reverts to a purely infinite energetic state. Okay. From the 15 plus thousand readings that I've conducted, which in, in each reading, there's multiple spirits. So I've probably connected with well over 100,000 spirits. I've yet to hear one say, oh, boohoo, I'm dead. Spirits talk about their pure energy. They move at the speed of light and being interconnected with other spirits, interconnect with other spirits. They have access to this incredible amount of information. Mm -hmm. Energy doesn't get sick. It doesn't get old. It doesn't get tired. It doesn't die. So that is a snippet of what happens when we die. And firstly, I love the explanation that you provided. And in your writing, you provide a nuance, right? You, you introduce a subtlety and you say that although the electromagnetic soul is interconnected as part of this collective consciousness, a person never loses his or her individuality. Our greatest attribute is our unique sense of self which distinguishes us from everyone and everything else in the universe. We each have our own thoughts, memories, feelings, perspectives, and personality, which is enshrined within our immortal electromagnetic souls. So I've always had this question, right? Because, you know, let's say they become part of the, you know, the ocean of consciousness and they lose their personality, then they wouldn't be them anymore, right? It, it would, exactly, exactly. Yeah. The thing is, now a lot of people, like I'll be doing a reading, I go, oh, someone's coming through. Oh, I hated him. He was cruel. He was terrible. Okay. Yeah. I've communicated with a lot of people who, including uh, murderers, and when they come through, they're not the bad guys anymore. They're pure consciousness. Now, they maintain okay. the memories of their incarnation, but like a sociopath who dies doesn't come back like, oh, I'm the sociopathic spirit. In yeah. that particular incarnation, there was something with their brain that was wired to make them a sociopath. Now, mm -hmm. why that is, you know, everybody has a part to play, even the negative people, okay, mm -hmm. which doesn't sound great a lot of the time, but that's all part of what it is to live in the material world. And so I've had spirits come through that were murderers, okay. and they explain that, you know, they're not negative anymore, but they do remember and they do carry those memories of what they did. And the vast, vast, vast majority of the time, in fact, every time I've encountered a spirit like that, if I'm doing a reading for the victim, they always are very apologetic about it. So, I mean, we could just talk about that all night, but I just wanted to give you a, a short version there. That's so, so nice to hear. And I guess our listeners are sort of painting the picture and trying to understand and comprehend something that is so incomprehensible, right? Because the Real truth we'll get to know only after we die. But I'm getting to glean into our listeners' mind and, and them trying to you know visualize things. But you write that we think of other dimensions as distant, inaccessible, faraway places when actually they are right next to us. And you write about this when you encounter and you speak with your dad. I think you were in the ocean and you were, I think you had an encounter with a shark, but he was through his yeah. experience as a Navy SEAL talking to you about life and he clued you into alternate dimensions. And he said that the ocean may be the best way to understand the difference between our world and the other side, two systems teeming with energy, very different, yet they coexist and overlap with yes. each other. So could you talk to us about this parallel dimension, please? Yes, that's one of the stories I don't mind talking about because, well, you know, my dad haven't been a Navy SEAL. He was a scuba diver. He was a swimming instructor. I mean, you know, I don't even know how many children my father taught to swim. 
You know, it has yeah. to be in the hundreds, you know, yeah. because he used to volunteer as a swimming instructor at the YMCA. And my passion was uh, snorkeling. And, you know, snorkeling is, you know, you're not wearing tanks. Dad never wanted me to be a scuba diver. And I found out later why. But he always said that, you know, we look to the stars and we think about, you know, alternate universes and planets and all that. He said, but the best way to understand another world is the ocean yeah. or, you know, a lake or a river, you know, because you go into this environment and it there's creatures that live there that can't exist in our world. I mean, think of an octopus. Yeah. Can you think of a creature that could be more different than us? That's true. It's essentially a liquid being. It has <laughs> five brains. Yeah. It's got five brains. And, you know, people think that, oh, it's just sort of this squishy thing with tentacles. And now marine biologists are understanding that they're at least as intelligent as a cat, possibly more, because mm -hmm. they problem solve. They recognize things. They appear to show some form of emotion. All right. So, you know, we talk about alien life form. Well, think of an octopus. Okay. Yeah. And so my dad took me to the Bahamas to Love Beach, which is one of the best snorkeling spots uh, in the Bahamas. And he said that, first off, when you're in the ocean, it's not a good idea to draw attention to yourself. Yeah. And he said, that, you know, yeah. it's the same thing. I've been in rainforest too. You don't go around, ah, you're making noise, you know, alerting, you know, predators who's there. And yeah. so he said, stay with me. And dad taught me how to swim real quietly, how to be very stealth about things, because those are some of the skills that he learned as a SEAL. And the problem is I was 13 and, you know, you know how 13 year olds are, you know, you sort of listen to your parents, but not really. And but I was so caught up in the beauty of the coral reef and all the different colored fish and like purple fish and blue fish and all these, you know, it's just amazing. And the sea fans. And and let me tell you something. To see a coral reef has got to be one of the most breathtakingly beautiful sights on this planet. And But I wasn't paying attention. And all of a sudden, I separated from my dad, and I went past the coral reef, and I realized now I'm in about 200 feet of water. And I got scared, and I started splashing to get back. Well, splashing and panicking, I'm sending out waves of frequency that could be interpreted as wounded prey. And all of a sudden, you know, dad's right near me and he lifts his head above the water because we've got these hand signals that you learn when you skin dive. And I stuck my head above water. He goes, get in now. Don't turn back. Do as I say. And so, all right, he gave me an order and I was following it. Then I saw it. And this huge shark, was closing in our location. It was zooming like a torpedo through the water right at us. And if you want to find out what happens, you're going to have to read the afterlife frequency. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess he was trying to allude to the fact that, you know, there are actually, you know, alternate dimensions where spirits coexist, right? And it's the same thing with spirits. And with spirit communication, everything's vibration and frequency. Like I was explaining before, that everything is composed of uh, molecules, which are made of atoms, which are made of electrons, protons, and neutrons. And then on the most basic level, it's made of quantum. Now, yeah. in the realm of science, science has been split into two fields, biology and physics. Biology 
is the study of living organisms. Physics is the study of inorganic matter and energy. Mm -hmm. All right. And they've been in two separate camps. But now, because of the developments and discoveries in quantum physics, at the subatomic level, there's no distinction between the two because everything is electromagnetic energy. And we also know from quantum physics, AJ, that everything has its own unique vibration. Mm -hmm. All right. So like this pen, this pen is vibrating. It may not appear to be, but on the subatomic level, it is. But then again, so is that microphone you're talking to. So mm -hmm. are you. So are the radio waves that are broadcasting the show. So are the light rays from the sun. And so when you start thinking in these terms, we see that, yes, we're not just all interconnected as brothers and sisters. We are all connected to everything energetically. What's fascinating is different religions all talk about this uniqueness. When I was in uh, Hawaii studying with the, the ancient uh, Hawaiian, the priests of the ancient religion, they discuss how everything has mana. And mana is its own unique energy. So the Hawaiians were describing this a thousand years ago. And every religion talks about this in different forms. And I always find that that is absolutely fascinating. And that's why I've never seen a divide between faith and science. I think that now we're in the position due to advances in quantum physics and also mm -hmm. that many people in, in religions are being less narrow-minded and more accepting we're beginning to see the overlap here. Once again, uh, one of the reasons why I wrote the new book. And so when you go into the ocean, that's a good example of vibration. You start splashing around enough, you're sending out vibrations and there are things listening <laughs> for those. But let's take our world. Think mm -hmm. of everybody that you love as being connected to you through a three-dimensional spider web. Now, how does the spider web work? If something hits it, it sends a vibration. Mm -hmm. So it's like parents, parents who suddenly feel something's wrong with my child. Oh my God, there's something going on and nobody called. There's no cell phone. There's no, um, no message. But then they find out that, that something happened. Is that just a coincidence or is this yet another example of synchronicity? That's mm -hmm. because we're energetically interconnected. It applies even more so with spirits. Why? Because they're free of the limitations of a material world body. So let's say that you're grieving a loved one very, very heavily. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you smell a familiar perfume. Mm -hmm. It's like, ah, that's my mother's perfume. But there's no bottle of perfume anywhere to be found. Or let's say you're driving down the road and you turn on the radio, and there's that song. Or like the example I gave earlier, you walk into the doctor's office, and there's the song that that medium <laughs> was giving you a month earlier. Yeah. Yeah. This is what I call a frequency beacon. And mm -hmm. spirits can emit messages to us, and we can emit messages and frequency beacons to them. And this is not far-fetched at all. This is what is known as quantum entanglement. Because two subatomic particles are interconnected, and if they separate, and scientists have theorized that even if they're a billion miles apart, if you do something to one, the other immediately responds. 
And they do this through what I have termed frequency beacons. And so when you're in an environment like the ocean, think about a shark. I mean, a shark along its body, it has a very complex system of nerve endings designed specifically for detecting frequency. Well, Mm -hmm. that's because of what it does. We too are very sensitive to detecting frequency. And that's one of the things that I bring up in the book is teaching people how to be more sensitive to that so that when spirits do reach out, when you do get a frequency beacon, you can interpret it and get the most out of it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A while back, you spoke about dreams. What happens to us after we go to sleep and begin dreaming? What are we interacting with over here? Is it just a figment of our imagination? Are we peering and venturing into another dimension? Or is it that our existence, what's happening right now, is a dream? And that is the actual life. And we're sort of looking back into our dream and going back you know, into our actual life. No, I, I know exactly, right? exactly what you're thinking. You know, that was... The whole background of the surrealist art movement, uh, particularly in the 1930s, like Salvador Dali, and he was like the king of the surrealists, and that a super reality, that the, the dream state was the real reality. But the truth is, I don't believe that life is an illusion. Okay, this is where I depart with some people say, oh, it's everything's holographic, you know, it's all illusion. No, we're here, this is real. However, what happens when we dream? There's a difference between a dream and a visitation. A dream has that surrealistic that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, your computer mouse turns into a brontosaurus (laughs) or something, you know, whereas a visitation feels real. It's vivid. It has a beginning, a middle and an end. And it's a coherent conversation with a loved one who has passed. And how does this happen? Let's get back to our electromagnetic soul. It's all about frequency alignment. Well, our brain, we have five different types of brainwave frequencies. You have gamma, which is a hyper heightened state. Okay. I like to, that's like Matamodio on Jeopardy. Okay. Or Ken Jennings. That's when you're like in that super highly performing, highly functioning mental state. Then there's beta. That's our normal everyday state, like what AJ and I are in and the the folks in the chat room. Yeah. Then when you start to relax, you drift into alpha. And alpha is also when people meditate or it's when you just sort of go into that daydreamy, relaxed state or as you're calming down and then you go to theta, which is the sleep state where dreams occur. Then there's delta. Delta is very little brain wave activity, but that is important, too, because that's when your body fights infections and you know heals and all that. But let's get to the alpha theta border. The alpha-theta border is where psychic and mediumistic activity occurs because it creates a receptive brainwave environment for spirit contact. So all of a sudden, our brainwave frequencies here, spirits see that, they bring their frequency down, they align with it, we get a frequency match, and that is spirit contact. And Mm -hmm. that's why spirits will come to you in the dream state. Now, 
for some reason, and we still don't understand this, we meaning near-death experience researchers, mediums, and neuroscientists who study mediums, is how can I do that when I'm awake and in the conscious state? Because that's what I'm doing when I'm communicating with spirits. And they're still studying that. But for everybody, when we go into that alpha-theta border and then you have that visitation and it feels real and you wake up and it's like, wow, that was my dad. I feel it was my dad. I feel that it was my dad. Right. It was. And it's a really beautiful thing. You know, the funny thing about this, AJ, people tend to accept and embrace the reality of the dream state a lot more than, oh, I was making breakfast and my mother appeared at the breakfast table. Okay. That's when (laughs) people start giving you that look like kind of crazy because throughout history in the Bible, think of all the prophetic dreams, you know, Joseph interpreting dreams of Pharaoh, Jacob's ladder, the three wise men being warned in a dream about Herod, Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus being, you know, warned about Herod and then saying, you know, it's safe to bring him back. And then in other religions too, There are many stories of the importance of the dream state. So for thousands of years, the prophetic dreams, the visitations and dreams have been culturally accepted. So there's not that stigma surrounding it. Well, thanks a lot for explaining that. And the reason why I ask is because a couple of months back, and our listeners know this, but my mom expired. And, you know, I did have a visitation. I mean, I did receive a message intuitively from her a couple of days later, which is a very profound experience for me where, you know, as I was coming back from home, it was dark outside and I really called to her in my mind. And I said, if you can hear me, if you can sense this communication, then send me a message. Right. And I was really uh, wanting to hear back from her. And I look right and I see a billboard and that billboard says mother. And it says specifically mother India because she was in India at that time. Okay. So that was the physical visitation, but I feel that my mom tried, but she realized that connecting and communicating with me in my dream state was going to be much more seamless. And I've had so many visitations in my dream from my mom. It just feels like we're just hanging out, you know? I just feel that she's right here beside me. And as I look back, it feels also like in the dream, over here, I'm a physical human being. My mom is spirit, but in my dream, we're both spirit. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We're on the same plane. It so totally makes sense. Well, see, AJ, you're also very open. To, if you don't mind me asking, what is your faith background? You know, to be honest, like an open spiritual faith, largely stemming from like the Dharmic Indian tradition. And my dad is a Hindu. My mom is a Christian. So I've got, you know, exposure to both sides as well. And I'm, I'm a part of a Buddhist community here in Vancouver. So Okay, well, no wonder you're so open to spiritual activity because, see, first off, I, don't, I didn't mean to pry, but... For Hindus, what in America or in the West we consider a psychic experience is part of one's spiritual journey. See, in the West, we question the existence of God, whereas in India, and and it's more about we want to see God. Okay, Mm. so there's no question of that. And Mm. Buddhism believes in an eternal stream of consciousness. And I can tell that uh, your mom was not a hellfire and brimstone Christian, but an open-minded Christian. Because Christianity, if you look at it in its purest sense, is a very spiritual and very, very loving religion. And unfortunately, you know, zealots, like zealots have poisoned, you know, I don't want to say Islam in general, but, you know, there have been aspects that have been poisoned. 
And yeah. certainly, you know, evangelical right wing, you know, and uh, uh, religious fanatics, because I have many friends who are evangelical Christians who mm -hmm. are not religious fanatics. But I don't want to get into the whole political thing. But the thing is, you have an open minded approach to spirit contact. Mm -hmm. And in the afterlife frequency, I introduce what's known as the raft technique. It's okay. a four-step technique to recognize, accept, feel, and trust messages from spirits. And you just gave a perfect example of wrath. You were mm -hmm. thinking, grieving of your mother, and all of a sudden, your attention was directed to a billboard that said, Mother India. Mm -hmm. You recognized the sign from the spirit. You accepted it as it real. You felt it without mm -hmm. overthinking it and then trusted the message. R-A-F-T. And see, for you, that's second nature. Mm -hmm. And so in the RAF technique, that's what I do is I teach people how to get through all of those steps and to practice those to where it becomes second nature like that. Because it's very comforting. You know, I mean, when we lose somebody that we love, when somebody we love dies, there's absolutely nothing we can do about that. And even for those of us who are mediums, the rug gets pulled right out from under your world. It's crushing. It's hard enough when you lose a parent, but for people who've lost a child, it's mm -hmm. absolutely crushing. There are no words to describe the pain that a parent who loses a child goes through. And the biggest fear, I think, is that somebody that meant so much to us has just disintegrated into nothingness. Mm-hmm. But they haven't, you know, and 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 so employing the raft technique will help you to pick up on and receive the messages from spirits around you and mm -hmm. see. That's why I was saying, you know, you do that. You know, obviously you have a show called My Seven Chakras. So, you know, <laughs> but what you're doing. But the thing is, though, it's good for people to realize that everyone can do this. That doesn't mean everyone is a psychic or a medium. There's a lot of courses out there that I'll turn you into a medium. Well, everyone's not a medium. It's like, look, my dad taught a lot of people to swim, but let me tell you something. Not everybody could swim the way my dad did, okay? Right. I mean, yeah, I can teach people to do math, but I'm never going to be an Elon Musk, all right? That's just not going to happen. We're simply yeah. all good at different things. And there's a genetic predisposition why some people are better at this. That being said, we all have the same apparatus, Love the name of your show, My Seven Chakras, because there's two chakras in particular that facilitate spirit communication. The first one is right at the bottom of the rib cage in the diaphragm, pit of your stomach, the solar plexus. Why is it called the solar plexus? Because it is the second most complex bundle of nerves outside of the cerebral cortex, okay, mm. outside of the brain. And, and the nerves radiate from it like the rays of the sun. And that's why it's called the solar plexus, okay? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get those pit of your stomach. Like you get that, uh, that feeling, that sick feeling. It's like when a parent thinks something happened to my child, okay? Women's intuition. For all the women that are listening and all the men that are married to women, everybody knows uh, women's intuition and don't negate it. Now for guys, okay, we're a different thing that intuition stuff. But when you start saying gut instinct, yeah. Okay. Then all of a sudden it becomes 
Special Forces, Harrison Ford, Chris Pratt, <laughs> Denzel, gut. <laughs> because it's the same thing. Because this is such a sophisticated bundle of nerves, and the nerves work on electrical impulses, it's a receptor area that picks up to electromagnetic energy of vibration and frequency. Now, the solar plexus is where we receive the emotional messages, the feelings, okay? That's why you get that feeling in your stomach. The second area, center of your forehead, the third eye chakra. So about four and a half to five inches behind the center of your forehead in your brain is the pineal gland. Some people call it pineal. Some people call it pineal. It's bigger than a grain of rice, not quite the size of a lima bean. It's, you know, but it's such a sophisticated gland. It's been studied for over a century and neuroscientists are still trying to figure it out. It regulates our brainwave frequencies. Remember when we were talking about the five different levels of frequencies? Well, that's what does it. Guess what? It also regulates our ability to perceive light. Now, isn't it interesting that light is the only form of electromagnetic energy visible to the human eye? Isn't it also interesting that how do people who have a near-death experience describe their encounter with the divine? I went into the light. How Hmm. did Krishna, Buddha, Zoroaster, Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, Lao Tzu, Gandhi, Geronimo, St. Francis of Assisi, Yogananda Paramahansa, how did they describe an encounter with the divine as light? From the Mm -hmm. dawn of human history, people have described encounters with the divine in terms of light. Okay, Mm -hmm. so the pineal gland regulates how we perceive that light. So this is, oh, and it gets even better. What was the first radio? A piece of quartz crystal with Mm -hmm. a copper wire running low levels of electricity through it. Yeah. There was a British-German study and then a French-Israeli study, which found calcite and magnetite crystals inside the pineal gland. Yeah. We have a radio station in our head and a very sophisticated one at that. And this is the receptor area for the verbal, for the visual, for the auditory messages. So we have two receptor areas. Two of our seven chakras are for spirit communication. So that's why when I saw that I was going to be on the show, the seven chakras, (laughs) I couldn't wait till we got to this. Oh my God. Thanks a lot for having that reaction. But it's very fascinating that you write about you know, the discovery of these two crystals, because you say that you write that both these crystals have piezoelectric properties, which mean they generate an electrical charge when subjected to mechanical force. Although right. many crystals have such properties, magnetite in particular has an electromagnetic field. Now, this seems really, really interesting. Firstly, yeah. uh, do you know anything more about this? And secondly, have you heard about the idea of decalcifying the pineal gland? A lot of people are saying don't use fluoride oh, toothpaste. Yes. Right? Decalcifying the gland. But this seems to suggest that calcium might actually be good inside the pineal gland, right? No, calcium is bad. It clogs right. things up. And well, this is a big debate, okay? But 
we have to have calcium in our bodies, okay? We have to have uh, potassium. We have to have magnesium. We have to have copper, selenium, zinc. I mean, you know, those are our electrolyte. But the problem is we tend to megadose on fluoride. Fluoride is put into our water. Fluoride is in toothpaste. You know, fluoride is all over the place. And fluoride causes calcifications. And the theory is that it causes a calcification of the pineal gland, which inhibits the electromagnetic activity in the pineal gland, which will not make you as receptive. For one, I do not use, and I don't want to get in trouble with toothpaste companies, but many of them make non-fluoride toothpaste. I do not drink tap water. I drink either filtered or bottled water that is reverse osmosis and free of fluoride. I do not use any healthcare dental products with fluoride because I believe that the fluoride will cause this calcification, which is detrimental to our ability to uh, connect with spirits. So that's my thought on it. And I have to say this, and for you as well as me, please check with your healthcare provider to uh, for the veracity of this statement. All right. So there, we got yeah. our disclaimer out. I'm a lawyer, Amazing. so I got to make sure that's in there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know, you know, well, some people might just blindly write follow, but they don't do their own due diligence, which I'm guessing what you are recommending as well. Speak to like a doctor or someone like that before you take these. Well, know, well tap water too. It's uh, loaded with chlorine. Now, have you ever heard of, you know, do you drink pool water? No. I don't you don't go up to a swimming no. pool and you drink the pool water. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard a doctor say you really need to be getting more chlorine in your diet? In World War I, chlorine gas was used to kill people. Okay. The reason we use chlorine is because it kills microorganisms. So that's why I talk about filtered water. So yeah. Okay, water, filter it to get the chlorine out after it's already taken care of the microorganisms. Anyway, I don't want to get off on a discussion about water, but, you know, I am a firm believer that let your food be your medicine and your medicine be your food. In Mm -hmm. dealing with the collective consciousness, when spirits come forward, it's not just one person who's talking to me. That spirit is the spokesperson for the collective. And that's why in so many of the readings that I do and other mediums that I know, I get a tremendous amount of medical information. Why? Because healing is a gift from the divine. Think of Edgar Cayce, you know, mm-hmm. the famous psychic who passed in the 1940s, but the crux of his work was on medical treatment, medical solutions and cures. And I've yet to hear a spirit say you need to get more bacon and chlorine into your diet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was doing some research recently. And all the ancients, the elders, even in the books, they write that pig in particular is not good for you, right? It's not good for your body. And then science is also confirming the same thing that, you know, consuming pig, it has a lot of bacteria and pathogens that can be really bad for you, right? Especially if you're not careful. And it takes eight days for you to dispel pork from your body. Mm -hmm. Eight days. It takes vegetables, chicken, and fish less than 24 hours. Yeah. Beef, it takes three days. Yeah. I rest my case and pork, eight days. What does that tell you? Yeah, I was surprised. I sort of stopped right there. I'm not going to have any pork, no matter how tasty it seems, the bacon. But yeah, I, you know, that's the problem. Yeah. That, right? well, <laughs> you know, what's funny is 
vegetarians will will fall off the wagon for bacon. Okay, that's yeah. got to be like the most unvegetarian thing, big yeah. fat. But what it is, it's just permeated in salt. It's the crunchy, salty thing. So mm-hmm. if you're going to do that, you'd be better off eating potato chips than you would that. But yeah, pork is not good for people to eat. Now, my function is not to sit here and lecture people on, on yeah. what they should or should not eat. That's what yeah. I do. And it sounds like that's what you're doing as well. That's true. I just you know do my own research, experiment with stuff, and then share. People could take it or leave it. That's uh, just how the world works, right? It's a free world. You take your own decisions. But in talking about or encouraging people to be able to take that next step towards being able to connect or receive messages, you talk about a term called spiritual situational awareness. Could you give us some guidance or some thoughts around this practice or this state that one can embody in order to be more receptive to messages? Situational awareness is employed by military personnel and first responders. And mm-hmm. it's being aware of what's going around you like in a 360 degree sphere. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't walk into a crowded, you know, public place clueless. You pay attention to what's going on around you, especially in this day and age. Okay. Yeah. That it's common sense. Spiritual situational awareness is taking that even further to not only being aware of what's around you, being situationally aware, but being aware to the presence of spirits and to the energy around you. Mm-hmm. And and I get into the raft technique to help you develop and enhance your sense of spiritual situational awareness. I got a funny story along these lines. I was at the Tower of London. It was on a St. Patrick's Day, gosh, probably about 10 years ago. And it was a cold, dreary, foggy day in London. The Mm -hmm. weather was absolutely miserable. And it was the perfect day to go to the Tower of London. And I was by myself. I was over in England studying spiritual phenomenon. So I'm walking around the Tower of London. And, you know, it's it's a stark contrast to modern high-tech London. We had this ancient fortress. And I'm walking around and I'm looking at the suits of armor and all this stuff. Because I'm a history buff and I'm loving all this. And all of a sudden... I'm walking in the great courtyard, and all I can think of is Anne Boleyn, Anne Boleyn, Anne Boleyn. I go, okay, I know Anne Boleyn was one of Henry VIII's wives, and the way to remember the fates of his wives, his six wives, were divorced, beheaded, died, divorced, beheaded, survived, <laughs> okay? And I go, she was wife number two, that's beheaded. Then I'm thinking, I wonder where she was beheaded. Was it mm. here? Was it the Tower of London? So I sit down on this bench, AJ, I'm sitting there, and... All of a sudden, I feel this tingly sensation, all right? So this is raft technique. And and I turn to my left, and there's this big modern glass sculpture. It's circular, and it looks like it's got this glass pillow in the center of it. So I get up and walk over to it, and I look down, and it says Anne Boleyn. And all of a sudden, I realized it was a monument to Anne Boleyn, and it was the site where she was beheaded. So, (laughs) I mean, recognize, accept, feel, trust. So I'm sitting there in the drizzling, foggy, freezing cold London, feeling this Anne Boleyn energy. And all I'm thinking is, for me, this is the best St. Patrick's Day ever. (laughs) (laughs) That is... That is a crazy story indeed. <laughs> and, and a good example of spiritual situational awareness. awareness. Exactly. So Mark, how close are we to having a spirit phone? 
a device that will allow us to communicate across dimensions. Because you write and you talk about some of the research going on at the Laboratory for Advances in Consciousness and Health at the University of Arizona. And Dr. Gary Schwartz and his team yeah. of electrical engineers are working on something that is called a soul phone. So how real is it? How close are we are to something like that? I'm not at liberty to describe everything, but here's what okay. I can say. I was in his laboratory. Um, I'm on the board of directors of the Soul Phone Project. I have the utmost respect for Dr. Gary Schwartz. He is a bona fide genius, and he is actively working on technology sensitive enough to begin to carry on communication with spirits. In the early phases, it's almost going to be like Morse code. It's going to be like yes, no answers. They're already there. Now they're moving into actual conversation. And Gary, I believe, and, and this is me speaking, I'm not speaking on behalf of the soul phone. I think that within the next 10 years, maybe much sooner than that, maybe quite a bit sooner than that, there's going to be a form of technology sensitive enough to tune into these higher frequencies. And so this also ties in, uh, Gary Schwartz is one of the scientists who's using the term EMS, electromagnetic soul. He said, yeah. Mark, you pegged it. You know, and it's, it's quite an honor when I have these scientists reviewing my book and they're telling me that, well, your, your conclusions, your theories coincide with the last 50 years of research in the matter. And so I believe that there is an explanation for everything. And as my father taught me when I was eight years old, we were looking at the stars one night mm -hmm. and he told me that a mystery is just a question for which we do not yet have the answer. And he said, Mark, if enough research, funding, and focus goes into something, you're going to find the answer, and it's going to be based on science. That being said, that doesn't take God out of the equation, because who do you think created all this? <laughs> you know. And so what we're doing is we're beginning to understand this complexity, and there is a logical explanation for everything. And I like to quote um, the great astrophysicist. Neil deGrasse Tyson, he said, the beauty of science is that you don't have to believe it for it to be true. And as we come to the end of our episode, I wanted to ask you, did you get any communications from my mom? I was picking up on something about, <laughs> did she make this like, look, I know all moms make us like some type of spinach or green dish, but she kept yeah. focusing on you. And it was like these, like all this like spinach. You know, and I know that sounds weird, but is there like, do you love it? Do you hate it? There was this like real spinachy thing that yeah. she was like holding up like a fork saying, got to get him to eat this. What's going on with this, AJ? Oh, spinach. Uh, she would, uh, you know, as a kid, obviously, as any kid would, you know, refuse to eat greens and stuff like that. But she used to make, you know, in India, it's called a palak paneer from time to time. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, right. Uh, it's really spinach. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Indian spinach blows American spinach out of the water. <laughs> it sure does. It's got like, you know, different spices and they put the cottage cheese and butter and stuff like that. She didn't make it that often, but she made it sometimes. And I loved my mom's food. I do. I do miss her food a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I think what that message meant is more than just the spinach thing. I think that she's complimenting you. In fact, I don't think, I know she's complimenting you on doing such a good job with your health habits. She said that you're very meticulous. You've been very good about listening to your body. And this is something that you learned from her. Your mm -hmm. dad was all about being on time. Your yeah. dad's all about being on time. 
your mother was more listen to your body. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. and is there some particular significance with the month of December? I mean, other than like, ho, 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 Christmas, could there be a birth, death, anniversary or event? Because they're zeroing in on December. Well, December, because my mom was a Christian, right? It was a very special time right. during that time of the year where she would take us to the church and she would take us to her parents' place. And for me, it was a very special time filled with gifts and exchange and good feelings. And my dad, even though he is a Hindu, he would all we would all be one family and we would cel- celebrate all the different traditions and religions. So Christmas was definitely very special. Okay. Well, I'm tasting peppermint, and peppermint's one of my triggers for the month of December. Yeah. And also, it could be a variation like on a P name, like a Patrick Patricia, or a name that would sound like that. Okay. So, okay, okay you're smiling. Why? I'm just I'm trying to think of it, who would be named P. Nothing comes to my mind right now, but I'm sure something will come with. Yeah, well, it could be any one of those things. Okay. Okay. So, so, but the thing is, um, when I taste peppermint, unless you love or hate peppermint, that's, oh, you like, okay, you like peppermint. See, that's what's called a multiple meaning message. All right. Mm. December was special. And I get it, you know, for most people. I mean, when I was in Japan, my Mm. Buddhist friends absolutely love Christmas, even though they're not. Christian. And yeah. I said, well, why? They go, because it's fun. It's fun. Well, it is, you know, I have always wanted to go to India during Diwali. I think yeah. that would just be the coolest thing is to be there, but it looks kind of yeah. like a rock concert that just doesn't stop. <laughs> you know what you should do? I mean, India is so different and diverse and different cities and different cultures, right? What I would invite you to do, if you're up for it, is to firstly spend some time up in the mountains in Rishikesh. Oh my God, yeah. Right, very relaxing. Maybe do like a yoga retreat or something like that. Then go to the south in Kerala, have like an Ayurvedic massage and things like that. And then once you finish both of that, come to Mumbai and depart from there. Spend some time in the city in the rush and the hustle and bustle and get to know it because you'll get a different um, experience at every part. So the north, you'll get oh, sure. to the south and yeah. then Mumbai. But thanks a lot for sharing. I mean, you know, these messages that you shared did sort of make sense for sure. P to me stands for her dad, who we used to call Papa, and he obviously expired much before, but he was very close to my mom as well. And, you know, your messages bring a lot of uh, comfort and healing for me. And I truly appreciate not only your message, but also coming on our show and really gracing us with your presence and sharing all these different nuggets and stories and the science, which I'm sure our listeners will truly, truly appreciate. So I appreciate you for, for gracing us with your presence. Before you go, Tell us one thing that you are grateful for and how can somebody learn more about you as well as get a copy of your amazing book? I'm grateful for the parents that I had. You know, both my parents have passed. And it's funny that you asked me that today because I've been thinking about them so heavily today and I miss them. And I miss them because you grieve as deeply as you loved. And I feel so very fortunate for being so loved. And I know that not everybody has that. Yeah. In my work as a medium, as an attorney, I've seen, you know, people that they going home was horrible because it was abusive or it was alcoholism or some other horror. And I was very grateful for that. And if people want to book a reading with me, sign up for my newsletter, order my new book. And there's also a grief management section on my website, which is a free resource. Please go to Afterlife frequency.com just like my new book the afterlife frequency 
afterlifefrequency.com and you can find out about booking a reading you can find out about grief management resources please i invite you to sign up for my newsletter and also you can order the new book at afterlifefrequency.com and aj i really want to thank you for having me on seven chakras i mean we could talk we could keep talking all day i look forward to returning amazing amazing and you know, uh, the other day, one of our listeners, when I when we had a live stream and I posted something, she said, you know, what's the best part about listening to your podcast is not only getting to know about these amazing guests, but also buying their books. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the thing about interviewing an author like yourself is you're just not appearing on the show, but you've spent years, months and years and writing the book and coming up with different <laughs> editions, I'm sure, right back and forth. And it's such an amazing book that you have, The Afterlife Frequency Action Tribe, make sure you get it. And if you need to book a reading with uh, Mark, make sure you do that. Go for his events, go for his workshops. I do want to meet him in person sometime in the future. Yeah, I look forward to that. We'll have the link up in the show notes so that everybody can get a copy of your book. So Mark, in conclusion, thanks a lot for coming on our show, talking to us about the power and promise of connecting with departed loved ones and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Namaste. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at My7Chakras.com. That is My S-E-V-E-N Chakras.com. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.